the SF Music Tech Summit, recorded live by Media One Audiovisual. To learn more about us, visit us online at MediaOneAudio.com. Now, I would love to invite Joe Satriani to come on stage here. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. So, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about music creation, a lot about technology, and you certainly have a tremendous amount of perspective uh, on both sides, but on the music creation side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you talk about the transition from a, a world dominated by physical product to a world, um, you know, more sort of digital? More digital, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh I'm one of those odd artists that, you know, got started by reading uh, this magazine called Sonic Option Network. Anybody remember that? You remember that, right? When I found that magazine, I couldn't believe it. It was like, yeah, a ray of light from heaven. People making their own records, pressing them themselves and distributing them and talking about them. And, and most of it was just as awful as my first record. So, But... Uh, um, it was uh, it was an important step to uh, to be able to have your own identity uh, with with your product. And back then, it was still vinyl, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and if you wanted to do cassette like that, but there were you know there were so many problems with that. And I, and I saw that the first time. You know, I had my own record company. I was the artist and the president, of course, and the only employee. And uh, I took care of everything. And uh, but even when I was, you know, the artist in control with everything, there was all the stuff I was not in control of. The, the quality of the product, mm-hmm. everything went wrong in every aspect of it. And then just getting the record to people in Germany, it wouldn't arrive right, and everything. And I think about what we do today, and it's so much better because my musical vision actually goes anywhere in the world, and it doesn't get corrupted. It might be a little squished compared to what you know would come off of a really nice piece of vinyl, you know, many years ago. Uh, but when you compare it with all the things that went wrong with the delivery of that physical package to today, today's so much better. Has it changed the way that you think about uh, the creative process? For instance, um, you know, vinyl, you have a set amount of minutes and you've got two sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a CD, also a set number of minutes and an, an the album format, but now with digital, you can release a song at a time, or you can try to have a conceptual whole as an album. Um, yeah, yeah. Does it does it affect the way that you work creatively? Uh, I, I still don't like song at a time, um, but that's because I'm old, I think, uh, and so I grew up listening to pieces of work from artists that would arrive after many, many months or years. Mm-hmm. That was my time of learning about music. So the album format was attra- I was attracted to it, and you know that's how I got turned on to jazz and classical music and just about every form of music. It was with a compilation or an album. And uh, when I studied music and I studied sonata allegro form and other f- forms of uh, writing classical music, it was a, it was a form. So mm-hmm. when you get a record and it's you know the best of the baroque hits, you know, or something like that. It's weak, you know what I mean? And so when I'm, I hear about artists releasing just one track here, one track there, and I'm asked to do that all the time, it kind of hurts a little bit mm. because it doesn't fit with my day-to-day uh, emotional 
artistic way of living, you know. So do you really think that it's sort of uh, an irreversible course towards single tracks, or do you think there will be an album renaissance that happens after we just... <laughs> I don't think, I don't believe in a return to anything. I, I think that music business has been in a constant state of chaos ever since, you know, and there's always a group that's dispossessed and then a new group that enjoys the new franchise, you know, and it just keeps going. I don't know if you can say it's every five years, every seven years, every ten years, but every little model that the music industry is, you know, if you go back 120 years or something like that, you know, live performance, and there's publishing and people can play music at home. Right. And so all these people go out of work because people are staying home. They're not going to see music. Right. They're staying Everything home. is disruptive to yeah. what came before. And then there's sure. recorded music, and then, you know, every time there's a new format, a bunch of people go out of business. And so uh, I don't see it as any different than today, other than it's just the... The forms are just getting more unimaginable. They're getting less attached to, let's say, a piano player role or a piece of vinyl or something like that. But equally weird, I guess. But they're just happening faster. So, With the combination of music and technology, um, you know, lots of jobs have been created trying mm-hmm. to find technology solutions and social networking solutions for artists. Um, is there something antithetical to the creative process to constantly be out there? Um, For me, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Having to talk like this in front of a bunch of people <laughs> with cameras going. John Luini over there from, from Chime Interactive, he knows. He's always twisting my arm to, you know, look but, into the camera and say something, and I'm like, go away, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's horrible, to tell you the truth. And I've driven, you know, I... I I thought I should just draw the line at composing and because every other part of you know the professional musician's life has to be recorded now and and the machine needs to be fed and it just so happens they need images and sound and they they need to know what car did you drive to the studio how do you walk into the studio let's do that again and what case do you open first and who do you talk to what do you talk about what are you going to eat for lunch when are you going to record the song and all that stuff has got nothing to do with the way I think about music, why I want to play music, and I certainly don't want anybody watching me while I'm doing it. But I do know that it, being an artist is weird because we often say, go away, go away, go away. Okay, now, please pay attention. Right. <laughs> and, you know, when people don't pay attention, we get really upset. So I know we're quirky that way, so I, I figure we, we get what we right. ask uh, for, you know? <laughs> we're just a moody bunch, but it's, we are, you know, yes. it, it happens. No, but um, I think that if I get what you're saying, people would much rather have you, you know, go into your cave, be creative, and then produce something great and share it with them, rather than constantly being uh, in contact with mediocre work. Yes, yeah. Well, I think that um, so- some days, I'm not going to say that this is the way I really feel about it, but I'm going to say some days, when I'm just sort of being reactionary about it, if I'm watching TV and I'm watching... Uh, a number of the programs that feed off of this sort of every little detail thing, I'm, I'm realizing that the people that I'm seeing over and over and over again are the mediocre people, the people who need to be in front of the camera all the time, getting out of their car, going into the studio, all this stuff, because they've got nothing else that's to a, show that's a, for That's it. a fair point. Uh, but they may be very good at showing up in the right car, and they're good at walking into the studio. And they, you know, there are thousands of things that make up being an entertainer, 
and everybody kind of shines in one aspect of it. So it is important to know what you're good at and not show everybody what you're not good at. I mean, that's obvious. But uh, what I'm seeing is a lot of this uh, intensity about media very often just focuses on a lot of the stuff that really in the long run doesn't matter. I would guess that in, in your case in particular, you have a lot of really diehard fans mm-hmm. who are guitar enthusiasts, who are just really plugged into that world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in that sense, there's not such a need to go out and reconvince them that your new album is going to be uh, you know, as awesome. But as I wish you, I could feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> as you re sort of as you rebranded as Chickenfoot, did you find a need to have to, to, you know, now I'm not Joe Satriani, I'm Chickenfoot and I need to remind people, I need to put myself in front of them more? Or did people follow just in a natural kind of... Uh... Well, with Chickenfoot, it's very different um, because it's four people, extremely different people. Um, and we knew that it was a long shot. This is an old bunch of guys, right, get together and although we come from other bands that are successful, we do other things that are successful, still that doesn't earn you a seat, you know, in the top ten, you know, just like that. You still have to prove yourself to your audience, so you, we have to convince people who we are. And in the, in the old days, maybe we would simply just get in the truck and go and we would play forever until people got used to us and, and got into our sound. But we have the benefit now of all this media and we can make films and we can show people what we're really like we can show them what we take seriously what we don't take seriously so we can sort of cut through all the crap so they get to know us as soon as possible this has been extremely important for Chickenfoot because we're a band of guys that probably can't stay together very long because we're in other bands and we have other requirements that we've got to do so being able to have five days in the studio record most of an album have John come and film us and and from there create a you know a podcast for ten songs, a movie to go with the special DVD package, and and all sorts of stuff like that is is very important to us. So that's great. I wish we had even more technology to help us with that because we I I can feel our our limited span only because of the other things we do. Do you enjoy working in other media other than just pure music, uh, video, and, and I mean, is it a creative outlet of a different kind? Or yes, yeah. It, okay. When there's when there's time for it, and I feel like I can do what I want, you know, um, I get into it. But I mean, I, I did that for two tours. We did a we started doing a podcast every week. I guess it was about ten minutes. And you know, John started off saying, you know, do one, you know, three minutes, four minutes. But I would just really get into it after a while, and they were pretty crazy looking and psychedelic and but they started to get to be eight nine ten twelve minutes long and uh and then after a while i realized i was spending about five hours a day in the hotel room doing nothing but editing because i was slow basically you know (laughs) at it but um uh but i think after two tours i finally burnt out on the whole thing and Mm. i said i've just got to go back to being the guitar player who lays around and dreams about new guitar riffs and I want to make sure that we have time to open it up to any questions that people might have uh, in the audience. This is a real opportunity to ask uh, a legend a question, so please jump in. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're gonna. We'll, I Who's think pick, oh, we got is, vetoed over there. Oh, with I, have the, I have the conch. Yes. I have the conch. Hi. Hey, uh, just curious what you might, as an art from an artist, envision. You know, we talked about like you know, we got vinyl, we got the piano roll. So, mm. you know. 
We're, what are we? What's going to be the delivery, either format or mechanism, or you know, whatever for how we have music now and in the, in the future? Do you have any? It is a vision. It doesn't have to be a prediction, but just maybe yeah. if you could fantasize a little Crystal bit. Crystal ball here. Uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about the the technicality of it. No, not technical. Yeah. Experience. Yeah, because one of the things I realize is that the the technicality of it really, even though it's gone through these enormous changes, it hasn't changed what I'm asked to do, which is to play my guitar. The weird thing is, is how do I get compensated for it? So I can't do it for free. So I don't know how that's... Once I throw that into the mix, I realize, well, how, how am I going to say I can't go on tour and play concerts around the world because I've got this thing to do, this new technology thing to do, you know? And somehow it's got to figure into bringing in money. Otherwise, nobody gets paid for anything and everybody stays home. So um, that always stops me in my tracks. You know, like the idea, like, in the future, all concerts will be holographic. And you'll step into your pod and you'll, you'll you know, in the virtual world with your other players in Seattle and L.A. And, and, uh, and your world audience. But still, I'd be asking the same question. I'm not getting in the pod unless I get, you know, blah, 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 you know. That's what every musician's going to want to know because they still have to buy strings and store their gear and get it shipped over here and there. <laughs> they have to pay rent and everything else. So, <laughs> I think the front row had, had his... So okay. We've got a microphone here for you. So, a uh, couple compliments. Uh, saturator, ice line, great pedals. Thank you. So, um, love it. Um, uh, you also did uh, some game music, I think, uh, for NASCAR. Or, uh, yeah, I'll never so, do that again. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what was that like? Uh, and the other thing is, uh, how is the new Marshall thing going? And oh, when is it going to be ready? Do the, you have any ideas? The new Marshall amp will be ready for the January NAMM show. So, yeah, that'll, and we'll call it a, just a, a Joe Satriani's signature JVM. I'm having so much fun with that amp. It's, I've done two tours a live uh, video, and then did the chicken foot record with it, and it is really great. Um, the video game music, I got to say, it was exciting at first, only because I was attracted, because it was new and shiny, you know? So like what you're saying, you know, about some new medium that comes along. And uh, I'm thinking, well, okay, that might be fun. Uh, and then uh, I realized after a while that I'm, I'm in my studio, and I'm recording most of this at home, and I'm writing all these riffs, and, and I realized, well, I don't want to give that one to some NASCAR video game. I'll put that one over here. <laughs> I write a couple of more. It's like, oh, I love that one. Okay, I'll put that one over there. But eventually, I had to write these 50 cues, and I regretted letting those things be put onto a video game. And it got worse, because we go in and we record it, and we, we had this uh, call from uh, the music director saying, now, when you guys mix this thing, 3 dB, that's it. That's the dynamic range. Well, that hurts right away. Mm. You think, okay, everything is going to be squished down. And then we get another call. Well, it's 2 dB. It's 2 dB. And, then, and we're doing this in three days. We're doing all the drums in three days because all the other stuff I did at home. Anyway, long story short, 0 dB, right? <laughs> One level. I never heard of such a thing. And, and we're, we're sitting there mixing like, why are we mixing? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> And I'm hearing these things that I played. Now, admittedly, maybe I'm the only fan of these things, but they came from in here, and I just didn't want to let them go. And no matter how much they paid me, I thought, it's not enough. That was, that's 50 pieces of music. Even though they're short, I could have turned them into symphonies, you know? And, and I, that's when I realized that's why I do it. 
and the other stuff, the commerce part, is a pain in the ass, you know, especially when it's something as weird as squishing it down to zero dB, and then they add car noises and people screaming. I mean, I, and I thought I was, I was doing it because no one was getting their heads chopped off and eaten or something, and I thought, okay, it can't be that bad, you know. At least it's just cars, you know. Uh, but then it got so reduced. But, you know, I, I suppose people that wouldn't normally listen to my music, they got introduced to my music by this video game because there's millions of people who play it. So, um, at, you know... People around me say it was a good thing you did that. It did this, it did that, but it still hurts. It's a, definitely a creative, a painful creative trade-off. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think Dave Dieter has a. It's not working. That's on. There no, you I'm, go. I'm pretty sure that's, you're talking to this end, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of curious to hear you talk about using technology as an artistic tool directly. You know, when you're making music with your instrument and your signal chain, mm. uh, as you know. Guitarists in particular are very sort of nostalgia-driven. There are only two or three guitar models that are sort of seen as acceptable by a lot of guitar aficionados and certain old vintage amplifiers and <laughs> analog pedals. And um, you've been much more progressive. You have your own guitar model from Ibanez mm -hmm. that's kind of futuristic looking. You still use a valve amplifier, but yeah. I, I want to know, at the older I get, the more I play, the more I just want to kind of have a guitar and a curly cable into an amplifier. So, and you definitely have embraced technology of all kinds in, in how you produce your music. I want to know what your decision, you know, do you constantly check out new technology and how do you decide when it's helping you express yourself and how do you decide when it's just decide when it's an impediment or, or a block? How, yeah. how do you approach that? I think it's a gut feeling. I mean, a lot of the stuff I do is driven by a composition that I'm writing. Um, I remember a few records ago, well, actually quite a few, um, there was a song I did where um, I had been jamming along to a Chemical Brothers track and I got this idea to, to write a song that had a limited amount of chord changes over it for a very long extended period of time and to change the emphasis on melody so much and, and put more improvisation into it. And that was just the experience of playing in a Zoom, a little Zoom bot. Very few people maybe know what that is. That's like a little headphone app, a little digital headphone app. And, um, and, and that whole experience just was inspiring. So then I thought, well, well, how would I put this on a record? And I realized that I had to take that experience and just simply bring it into the studio. And it was pretty funny. And it, it wasn't the first time I'd taken a Zoom you know, uh, something that costs less than $100 into a you know, multi-million dollar studio and say, this is it. Here's a little mini plug. That's going to be my big guitar sound. But it, sometimes it, technology surprises you in that it, there's no correlation with what you want to play and where that thing came from. I mean, is it a plant or is it a little digital chip? You know, is it a valve or is it just a transistor? I don't, I don't really care. What I care about is what did I experience when I came up with that idea and what was the tool or what were the tools I was using at the time, then suddenly it's legitimate. So in my mind, it's all legitimate. It really depends on what you do with it. And the, and the perfect litmus test would be that there's more people playing with the perfect guitar and the perfect amp out there that really suck. That's true. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so that should be your indication that it really doesn't matter. But if it matters to you, then it matters to you. That's what matters. <laughs> there, there would only ever be one Marvin Gaye. That's what I always see. Anybody plays a record now, but not everybody can make a good record. Well, I, I think that the, you know, the other thing about that, about technology, is when it comes by, 
And, and I think music is the same way. We, you know, today things that are said here uh, on this panel are, are taken by the audience in a relative way. Uh, you spoke before me, so the, the things that we say are kind of taken in together, and he said this and he said that, so I'm going to make a decision on what I heard today. But if it was a different speaker, you know, if he was speaking beforehand, the relative position of our ideas may change how, what people take out of the room. So music is the same way. You put out a record that is, you know, I play every melody with my teeth, let's say. You know, and if it had been put out in 1959, it would have been, wow, it's rock and roll. It's, you know, it's just like all the other rock and rollers. They're doing silly things with their guitar. If I did it today, people would be like, what an idiot, you know? <laughs> like, who cares, you know? So the, the relative nature of the technology is, is also very important. And, and as you said about Marvin Gaye and the artistry is the same way. I, I think that's what's not fair about life is that sometimes something really beautiful and artistic will in fact go unnoticed and there's there's no uh, there's no reason why it should all you know art always rise to the top I don't, I don't think so I think that's a sad reality of life is that sometimes the cool stuff does go unnoticed we'll do one one quick one I, th I think the uh, the happy hour oh that's right I was going to keep my answer short <laughs> sorry about that Do you think that music education plays a role in all, at all in uh, dictating like what's popular in mainstream music and like what art gets noticed and what doesn't? No, I, I have not figured out what makes things popular. I, I can't. I can't even begin to think. I think it's sort of dangerous to even think that you could. You know. Have, just... have you have you been surprised that you you work on something that? you think is really great and it doesn't get the traction you're expecting or something does get traction? That All the time. But, I mean, i got to tell you, I'm, I mean, do you know how crazy I am? I mean, I've written stuff where I was certain that everyone would stop me on the street and say, oh, my God, two whole tone scales, you know, <laughs> you know, modulating to a minor key. I can't believe what you did on that song. But, you know, those are the things that, you know, make me excited. My heart beats, like, rapidly for weeks as I'm working on a song, and then nobody ever asked me about it. I once sequenced a record where every song started in an ascending key, you know, moved up and up and up. Not one person, even the musos in the music magazines from all over the world, nobody noticed it. So I've learned to enjoy those things myself and not worry about, not take it out on anybody, you know. But, uh, I, you know, the thing about music education is, is that if you feel like you need it, that means you need it. When I was young, I felt like I really needed it. Like I, I, I had a hunger for the secret of music, so I sought out people who could teach me. Um, and, and that helped me get from one spot to the next. It helped me to become a composer, a writer, and, and feel like I was in the right space. But I've, I've known plenty of people and been on tour with them who operate on a completely different level. They've had zero education, and still they find that path to inspiration and creativity, and it's remarkable. But um, I don't know if it affects what people listen to. I, I actually, like I said before, I, I claim no you know, insight into reality, in general. <laughs> but now if you happen to bump into uh, Joe Satriani on the street, you know how to compliment him <laughs> and really make his day. 
Um, I would like to thank all of the guests, uh, Neil Ketkar from Rovi, Dave Dieterer from Presidents of the United States of America, yeah. and Mr. Joe Satriani. Yeah. Let's give them all a big thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, <laughs>